Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta Yardena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Shabbat, daf Mem Chet, 48. We are actually intentionally beginning on Mem Zayin, 47, because that is where our new parak, parak Revi'i, also called Bamet Tomnin, um, begins. We were very excited to be, at, it's kind of a milestone in, into, to be this deep into Masechah Shabbat. The topics are shifting and changing, and on the one hand, we have a whole new topic, and on the other hand, they're the same discussions that we've been having are going to repeat themselves and recur, um, because you know that's the nature of the way, both the way the Masechah is built and also the way Hilchot Shabbat works, that things kind of conflate and repeat on each other. Now, our Mishnah, this is the Mishnah that's on the on Memzayin Amibet, which we noted yesterday that we were going to come back to today, begins with what will you insulate? With what can you insulate? We're talking very specifically about a, um, a pot that has been cooked. The food has been cooked in it before Shabbat. It is now hot and Shabbat is going to come in and you want to protect that heat so that by the time you sit down to your Friday night dinner, you're still having hot food. And the discussion here is going to be with what can you insulate and with what can you not insulate? The same way that we saw lists in Parakshani and in Baba Madlikin, with what can you light your candles and with what can you not light your candles, the rationale is different, but there's going to be a list of products or, or materials that are acceptable and not acceptable for this kind of insulation process. Uh, again, the distinction here is going to be trying to preserve the heat that is in the food already from Erev Shabbat, Right, we're not. This is the the goal here, or the presumption is that there's no cooking going on. Right, the burner, the fire, the heating implement is turned off. That is not the issue. You are simply trying to preserve the heat that is that is already in the food. So here's our Mishnah: Bemet tomnin of met ain tomnin. What do you insulate? What can you not insulate? Ain tomnin and tamun here. Right, tamun can sometimes mean like hidden. You're surrounding the pot with this material. Ain't tomnin, and here we have our list. Lo begefet, velo bezevel, velo bemelech, melach, velo besid, velo bechol, belachin, ben yaveshin, you can't use sand whether it's wet or dry. I'm not even translating all of these things. Again, you can look it up in the English if you don't know the terms, and it's not clear to me how we would exactly correlate these materials with our modern materials. Hang on. And these items, when they're wet, you can't use them. But if they're dry, then you can use them. Meaning you can use them to surround your pot to try to keep the heat in. Okay, now, we need to take a step back and... I'm sorry, yeah? Okay, sorry, Odin, I thought you, I I thought you wanted to say something. I'm, I, I will turn the, the floor over to you very soon. Um, I, I want to take a step back and say the following. We have already mentioned this in the context of cooking and Shabbat, but we need to mention it again specifically here. We are talking about halachic cooking. We are not talking about scientific cooking, if we can use such a term. We are talking about what is mosif hevel, what is, what is adding heat or not adding heat. I haven't yet described this, these issues here, and I'm going to come back to them. I apologize for that, but one second. I just want to say the the concerns of the Gemara here, we need to understand them on their own terms, because if we if we say, one second, but that's not how that works, right? Any of these materials don't work the way the Gemara says it works, well, then we're going to end up in a rabbit hell, hole of, you know, of 
questioning the modernity versus the, you know, what happened back in the day. It's interesting because I think we've done a lot of, we've had a lot of discussion about how there were certain practices, practices and impl- uh, um, implements and, and all kinds of norms that were the norms of society back in the day. And those things we kind of try to understand and try to accept on their own terms. These we try to accept on their own terms, even though we have science that will in fact contradict these things, right? But we cannot, okay. we, can't, we can't go there. We have to accept the Gemara on its own terms. So here's the deal. It says, the rationale is that these items, these materials really, not items, that if you surround your pot with these things, um, you're, the concern is that instead of simply preserving the heat that is therein, you will come to be mosif hevo. This is the term that I used before. It means to add heat. And then the concern is that really what you're doing is actually cooking, meaning you're increasing the heat. Isn't that, isn't that going to cook the food more? And there's a whole discussion about can you really cook the food more, but let's leave that aside. And the example that I would use here to explain why it's not simply um, you know, a misconception by Chazal about how these materials r- really worked. We know, for example, one of the examples here is manure, pardon me, right? And the, the someone who is not me and knows more of the biology of this and the science of this, right, or, right, you can talk about how there is nitrogen, there's gas being given off, there is an increase in heat, right? We know this when we use manure to fertilize our lawns. If you leave it by itself, you can have, you can even oddly, there can be a fire started simply from a very, let's say there's a very nitrogen rich active uh, sack of manure. So the idea that I, I couldn't tell you why sand, for example, whether wet or dry is a problem for being mostly Havel, but I, that's why I say, let's accept it on their, on their terms that this is where the insulation is acceptable or not, and meaning most of these cases, the insulation is not acceptable. But the idea, again, their concern is that the material itself will in some manner produce heat and therefore not just preserve heat, which is of course the problem. It's, and it's a fine line because it's recognizing that we need our food to stay warm. Um, and where does that turn from just being a preservation of heat to actually adding or increasing the heat. Um, so yes, it's halakhic science, as I would like to say what it is. Um, the other thing I was struck by here is when we began um, the parak of Bama Madlikin, the second parak, which went through all the wicks and you know what you could use to light and not light in terms of the wicks and oils, the beginning of that parak began basically with the discussion of listing the items in that first Mishnah and saying, well, what is it? In other words, it tried to reckon the Amoraim and Bavel were basically saying these are words or terminology that uh, may not or items that we don't have to use in Bavel, but were part of what was being used in Israel. And that's why it's just. And here we don't see that for some reason. It's like they understand what the items are that are being described as it is. So I, I don't know that that was like a little bit interesting to me. Also, like you would have thought maybe it would have had a similar discussion as the one that we saw in Paraket. I mean, maybe this is a matter of, you know, these are building materials, right, in some ways. So maybe they're just a little bit more universal, less particular. 
uh, more men's world, you know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I that know but it, it just it <laughs> struck me. It struck me. Like, they were so careful. There was so much back and forth of, like, what it meant. And this person thought the term meant this thing and variety of opinions. And here it's like this mission is easily understood by everybody, you know. Um, and maybe it's that methodology of cooking didn't or what it was in, food was insulated with didn't change all that much. I just don't know. Just an observation. Um, so, you know, the other thing that I think that we see on this staff, which is interesting, and then I'll go into a particular part of the DAF here, is um, one of the things we're going to see is as we get into our discussion of items that you're allowed to insulate the food with or not insulate or your pot, I should say, um, then the secondary discussion that comes off of that is how are these items allowed to be moved on Shabbat or not allowed to be moved on Shabbat? And what ensues, therefore, is another round of our discussion of what is muksa. And I think, and we already see it happening on this first page of the parak, um, you know, and again, I think what's interesting about muksa is, is that, yes, it's sort of its own category and its own discussion of the laws of Shabbat, but the way it sort of integrates itself or sort of gets spun off um, on a variety of different paraks or topics is very interesting to me. Like it doesn't come, you know, I, I know we would like it in sort of one neat package or having its own parak devoted to it. Um, but again, sort of just seeing how it spins off and then we're going to have lots of discussion again in this parak about Muxa. So that's a sort of stay tuned coming attractions. I don't know if that's scaring people off or getting people excited because <laughs> <laughs> the Muxa discussions can make your head spin a little bit. So yeah, I, it's fascinating. I think where the Muxa touch it, it touches on just so much, and I think also that's kind of the nature of it. That you know, what can you handle in a way that that's going to apply to everything? Can you handle your book? Can you handle your cutlery? Can you write anything? Anything is is subject to to this review. Yes, I think that's exactly what right. Every object is sort of subject to the review of is it Muxa or is it not Muxa? Yeah. Um, right. Now, uh, I just want to point out, you know, the last thing I wanted to end with today is these two uh, stories that are at the top of the Amud, on Amud Aleph, top of the Dab, um, about things that happened in the Bay Reish Galuta. So I know in Brachot, I believe, we talked about Galuta, which was sort of the political center of Babel. Um, it was like the Jewish court, but yet many rabbis would be there. And also remember, we talked about this a lot when we talked about Yalta, who maybe was the daughter, you know, was the daughter of the uh, Reish Galuta, and that they had, you know, sort of these large courtly meals with many, many people there. And what's described here are stories um, where, um, where uh, you know, Rabbah and Rabbi Zera are, remember Rabbah being the, uh, the uncle of Abaye, uh, Rabbah and Rabbi Zera are visiting on Shabbat. And Rabbi sees something that he feels is in violation of Shabbat. Um, you know, both of them, uh, one of them was done, I think it specifically says that it was done, uh, you know, by a servant specifically. Um, but, and that he takes the time to actually tell the person that this was not being done correctly. And then he and Rabbi Zera have a discussion that ensues of, you know, why was this actually in violation? Because Rabbi Zera thought, no, actually, maybe this was something that was okay to do. So a couple of things about this story. Um, well, both of these stories. One is, is that I think we sort of see this is an age old problem. You know, many of us may have had an experience where we visit somebody's house or we're in a place where maybe somebody does something that's not exactly the way that we learned how to do it or did it. 
And I think it also reflects there's so much intricacy with the keeping of Hilchot Shabbat that I think people also just genuinely get confused. You know, they think they're doing the right thing and they end up not doing the right thing. Um, but what I also liked was that it would sort of was like Rabbi, Ra, sorry, Rabbi just sort of went ahead, corrected the problem he saw, but there's no judgment in what he did, right? It's just basically saying, you know, he says, you know, this is not what you should have done. And to me, I learned something from that because I think today, um, you know, particularly, let's say in, you know, uh, uh, some streams of more observant Judaism, you know, there tends to be, you know, I won't eat in a house. I don't trust somebody, how they keep kosher or something like that. I mean, Rabbah was in the house of the, you know, of the Reish Galuta and Shabbat was violated. And yet we don't see that there's like any pronouncement to suggest that he would not go there again or would not eat there again. And I think, it, you know, the rebuke is just done in a very matter of fact way. I could be reading into this story, but at least on the pages, there does not seem to be any emotion, emotion or judgment, you know, with it. It's just sort of like, yeah, you saw somebody doing the wrong thing. You're obligated to, you know, correct them and just tell them like, you know, that's not really how we do that. This is the correct way to do it. I think that there's also a time frame difference uh, that we should be mindful of. Meaning I'm, I'm all in favor of, you know, the, the apparent uh, even keel with which this is received. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think that that should be, you know, applied across the board um, nowadays as well. But I do think that the fact that this is the era where, and these are the people who are kind of sussing out the parameters of the halacha, right? I think that that also makes a difference in terms of like, did you do the right thing? Did you do the, do the wrong thing? Well, I don't know at what point was something determined you know, was a practice determined that is prohibited on Shabbat, that is permitted on Shabbat, and now you've done the wrong thing, right? So instead, I, I feel like maybe some of that even keel, which I think is, you know, enviable and, and to be emulated, is also a matter of like, oh, did you hear? Now that's Asura, meaning we, we've just decided, I, I'm, I'm saying this a little bit too tongue-in-cheek, but the idea of um, determining what's, what the halacha is, is very unusual nowadays, right? Meaning there are, well, maybe not these exact days with quarantine and, you know, Pesach and all these, you know, minion, you know, kind of radical piskei halacha that were required, were necessary by the, what turned out to be, in fact, an unprecedented situation. But for the, but for the most part, when we're just talking about the, the regular Shabbos cooking uh, grinding the basics of preparing Shabbat as we know it. Um, I think that those things, those principles and practices are very much already in place. Um, no, I, I think you're right about that. There is something about the time that it happened. I mean, we saw in the previous parak, you know, some examples where it was clear Hilchot Shabbat was kept one way, right? There was that nice thing. Um, I think it also was with Rabbi Zera, if I'm remembering correctly, where it was where they were where somebody said it was muksa in one place and it wasn't muksa in another place. So, yes, I think as oral laws, the Torah Shabbat Alpeh sort of became expanded, right, and had to become codified in a certain way. There probably was a lot more diversity in practice before that happened. And, you know, so what you're sort of seeing here is some of that is sort of trying to figure out what are the boundaries, what are the limitations, 
how far can something go? Um, and, and maybe that's an example of that as well. You know, it's not even so much a story of like non-judgment, but it's also, you know, how it could really be that the people in the Reish Begalita like really understood Hilchot Shabbos in a different way. And their rabbi and comes I'll, with I'll... the, you know, the sage, the giants of that generation and says, no, 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 no. That's not how we're going to do it. I think also uh, the other thing to note is I don't know. I have spent some time in some pretty rabbinic households, let's say, right? And the comfort level, I would say, with keeping halacha, right? Without that feeling of that need to look over your shoulder and double check and triple check and, and shry, right? And cry out when, oh my goodness, you know, did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? Like there's there's something in, if you're in what I have seen, right? I, I do not come from a rabbinic home in my nuclear family, right? But the idea that the idea that there's a, a certain comfort level and a certain confidence, therefore, in we are keeping halacha and we are doing the right thing and we are very committed to this and we are very serious about this and we we are not gonna you know go we're not going to I don't know what the right word is like enter into a panic over something when we are already very much within the system. Um, I, you know, I have a good friend who her, she comes from a rabbinic family and her line is, you know, God will understand. Now, I don't know whether God will understand and she's not pretending that she's got a direct line in any other way, but it's like, it's this kind of quiet confidence in, in understanding that this is a system of halacha and this is how we live. And therefore we don't have to be nervous about it and anxious about it in a way that somebody who is not as familiar with that system you know, is necessarily going to be. I feel like the Reish Begaluta, they they were they were the royalty, right? The the not I would I don't mean royalty, nobility, right? And and I feel like so it's okay for them. You know, you can take it in stride. It's okay. They're going to fix it. They're going to keep Shabbat in a different way next week. You know, yeah, I I don't know. I, again, it's the speculation, but yeah, but that's uh, that's the beauty is we get to speculate on these stories. So we'll end with that. that that's our tap for the day. Uh, rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you, Michelle Farber, for hosting us on the Hodgman website. Uh, leave us a comment or your thought about this story on our Talking Tom with Facebook page. And until tomorrow's tap, go and learn.